Hey, I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This week kicks off our brand new series, Real Home. One of the greatest opportunities in life is to be part of something that will outlast oneself. Sunday, February 2nd through Sunday, March 16th, we will follow the incredible journey of Nehemiah as he risked it all, joining together with others to initiate an effort that would outlast them all. Together, we begin a journey at Valley Point Church towards a new home. Don't miss out on this incredible time. and Don't miss out on this opportunity to be a part of something that will outlast us all. I want to begin with a question today, and that is, have you ever wanted to quit on something? Ever? Or maybe we could ask it this way. Have you ever wanted to quit on somebody? I think there are occasions where it's okay to quit on something like it's just time. For example, it's okay to quit on winter, isn't it? Like it is just time and we've got another storm that's rolling in and this is all crazy because it's time to quit on winter. It's okay. Or we could say this, it's okay to quit smacking your gum. Not that anybody in here is doing that right now, but if you had the desire to do that at some point, it's okay to quit smacking your gum. I would say it's okay to quit watching the Grammys. Right? Just too long, too long. It's okay to give up on that. It's okay to give up thinking that the Phillies are going to have a good team this year. Oh, come on. Don't give up on the team, but you've got to set expectations, and it's okay occasionally. It's okay to quit filling out your connection card. Yeah, not true, and we'll come back to that a little bit later. You know, sometimes it's just okay to stop doing a few things, but then there are those moments and there are those occasions where we shouldn't quit and we shouldn't stop and we shouldn't give up on something or even somebody. My theological training was at a college in Florida, and I really enjoyed my time going to school there. It was a wonderful experience, and it was in college that I met my wife, Tanya. So by far, the best part of my whole college experience was meeting my wife, and she also helped me pass my classes, so it was kind of a win-win for me. But as part of our training as pastoral majors, when it came to your senior year, you would have to do something called the final exam. And as part of the final exam for pastoral candidates, you would go in before a group of very distinguished professors and smart individuals who had all kinds of advanced degrees and were very smart and very intelligent and very intimidating. And you would go into a room and they would just begin to fire off questions that you had to answer. Questions about theology, questions about Bible verses, questions about Bible culture, and all kinds of different things. They would just start firing off these different questions. And they wanted to know that you knew your stuff and that they could then release you on the church world and that you would be okay with all of that. So just kind of a very intimidating setup and environment. And I remember walking into that room when it came time for my final exam And there's all of these very distinguished, smart, old gentlemen sitting there, and they're ready to just begin devouring you. 
And I walked in with my Bible and my study notes, and as I walked in, you could almost see them elbowing each other and laughing. Look at this guy. We're going to eat him for lunch, which is exactly what they did. And they began to fire off all of these questions, and you get confused and intimidated, and you get worried, and you lose confidence, and you begin doing a really bad job at answering anything at all, which is exactly what happened to me. And so after about four hours of that, we decided to take a break. And I walked out of the room, and I was very frustrated, very frustrated, disappointed with myself, and ready to quit. Like, I just don't know if I should be doing this. And so I had to find somebody to complain to, so I went and I found Tanya, and I told her everything that was happening. And after listening to me complain, here's what Tanya said. She said, they're crazy you can do this, don't quit. Now, if you know my wife, she's a very kind person, right? So the very fact that she said they're crazy gave me all kinds of confidence, and I thought that was hilarious. And so I walked back into the room, bolstered by her confidence in me and the fact that she called them crazy. And I did a much better job on the second half, and I passed, and I graduated, and now all of that is just a distant scar. Now, perhaps you, like me, have walked through some different occasions in your life where you wanted to quit or you wanted to stop on something or even somebody. What I've discovered is it's in moments like that where I sense God kind of tapping on my shoulder and saying, you can do this, don't quit. You can do this. Don't quit. And here's the deal. Quitting leads to a life of unfinished projects, and those who are the quitting type tend to leave a wake of unfinished stuff in their past, and unfinished stuff isn't pretty. It's just not pretty. And so we get these wonderful whispers from God occasionally where he whispers into our hearts or he taps us on the shoulder and he says, you can do this. You can do this and don't quit. Here's our big idea for today. It's with God we can stay focused on his plan for us. With God we can actually do that. By the way, we're sharing the same big idea as what our kids are dealing with today. And so if you have a child in Kid Point, you can kind of talk to them about how with God, we can stay focused on his plan for us. And that leads to a no-quit kind of attitude. And this is what we want to pursue today. We're in the fifth week of our Real Home series, and I have really enjoyed walking through the book of Nehemiah and just trying to figure out what was happening in his life and how God worked in and through him to accomplish something great. And God really wants to do the same with all of us. Today we find ourselves in chapter 4. And what we're going to discover here is that Nehemiah faces some intense opposition. There are people that get in his way and want to keep him And they want to keep God's people from moving forward with the project of completing the wall around the city of Jerusalem. And I think it would have been very easy for Nehemiah in this situation to just get confused and to doubt and to say, forget about this. 
I'm going to quit and I'm just going to go back to my great job in a wonderful palace that is comfortable and easy and I'm an important person there. I don't need to deal with all of this rubble and this devastation. I just don't need this. I don't need people coming to me wanting to do harm. And so I can just give up on this. I can just quit. But that's not what Nehemiah does because Nehemiah is not the quitting type and he didn't want to leave something unfinished in his past. Let me ask you this. Do you have something that you desire in life? Just anything that you desire? A goal? A dream? Maybe that thing you desire is to take another step spiritually and you're ready to do that. And there might be fear involved with that because what does it look like and what does it mean and will I be successful? But yet you're ready to walk through that. Or maybe you have a goal of reading more scripture or engaging in more prayer or being more active in church and maybe even taking on a volunteer role. Maybe your desire, maybe your goal is to invite someone to come with you. I want to encourage you. You can do it. You can do it. Don't quit. And whatever dream you have out there, whatever spiritual step you may want to take, I want to encourage you and free you up to think about that right now as we walk through Nehemiah chapter 4 and find that there is opposition to every situation and opportunity when we step out and attempt to do something for God. There's going to be opposition. There is someone who wants to keep us from doing that. The side of this I want to investigate, though, is what we're doing together as a church family. And so you can think about that project or that dream or that goal you have personally, but corporately, I want us to think about this big step of faith that we're pursuing together so that we can have a permanent and a real home. And I want you to know that in our pursuit of this, we will face spiritual opposition. I mean, it will happen. It's already happened, and it will continue to happen as we move forward. And so there's two things that we need to do. We need to remind ourselves of how God has defended and provided for us in the past. And God has clearly done that. And we need to remind ourselves of that. God has defended, God has provided, God has given to us individually and certainly as a faith community. He's done that for us in the past. And we need to remember that. We need to remind ourselves of those things. And then we also need to determine not to quit. So let's remind ourselves of how God has defended in the past, and then let's just determine not to quit. And all of that takes us into Nehemiah chapter 4, where we discover this opposition. So here's what we read. We're going to discover a few individuals here who are coming after Nehemiah. The first guy is named Sam Ballot. It says here in verse 1, He was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap? and charred ones at that. Sam Ballard, he's kind of an interesting guy, and 
His name means to hate secretly. Unfortunately, here he's not being so secret about his hatred. He's just letting them have it. And then in verse 3, we're introduced to one of Samballot's buddies. His name is Tobiah the Ammonite. He was standing beside Samballot, and he remarked, that stone wall, well, it would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. So, funny story. I didn't think much about this phrase until a month ago when I saw a fox on our Bethel Road property. And he, or she, were actually there. And I really didn't think much about the fox until a couple of days later, I pulled out on the Bethel Road and he was sitting in the middle of the road, staring at me. And so I kind of stopped my car and I looked at the fox and he was a mangy, wiry, rabid, scrawny-looking thing. He just looked awful. Not intimidating at all. And the thought occurred to me that I should probably step on my accelerator and just send this thing for a ride. (laughs) But I thought that would be kind of mean, so I didn't do that, and I just made eye contact with this nasty, scrawny-looking thing, and eventually he went on his way. And then I thought about what was happening here and how Tobiah says, your wall is so pathetic. Your wall is so miserable and so puny that if even a wiry, rabid, scrawny-looking fox jumped up on the wall, the whole thing is going to fall down. I mean, this is a pretty big insult. A lot of sarcasm going on here. And Nehemiah picks up on the sarcasm, and so he says in verse 4, Then I prayed. Hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. But when Sambal and Tobiah heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, Before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. Nice guys, huh? Let's think about the opposition and let's think about the enemy here because here's what's happened. They used fear, confusion, mockery, and doubt to kind of demoralize God's people. That's exactly what we read here. In chapter 4, fear, mockery, confusion, and doubt. I mean, they just pulled out all of the weapons to demoralize God's people and keep them from doing the next right thing. This was a real enemy who had the full potential to keep this project from happening, and they weren't joking. They weren't messing around. I want you to know that as we move forward with our project... And our goal and our dream of having a real home, a permanent facility for Valley Point Church on our Bethel Road campus, that we will encounter spiritual opposition. And we have an enemy who does not want Valley Point to take this step. He does not want Valley Point to succeed in any way. He does not want to see Valley Point go, serve, and love. He wants to see Valley Point do nothing at all. As a matter of fact, if we did nothing, he would be very happy with that. Our enemy is Satan, and he has the full potential to stop this project, and he is tenacious. And he wants to keep all of us 
from taking this journey. Have you ever had a compulsion just to be a little more obedient to God in your life? And again, maybe that looked like being more faithful to church or more scripture reading or a little more prayer or volunteering for something where you can have impact in the lives of others or perhaps even being a bit more generous to God's work and you've had this compulsion on the inside to take that step of faith and to really obey God with that and then all of a sudden fear, confusion, mockery, and doubt creeps in And this is exactly what the enemy does. So when that happens, and it will happen, it will. When that happens, what are we supposed to do? How do we actually work our way through that? I think we need to remember how God has provided for us in the past and determined not to quit. Because we can do this. All right? We can do this. And so here's what Nehemiah did in this situation, because this is pretty intense. He has individuals who want to take out his life. I mean, they want to kill him. So we're not experiencing that, and that's good news. But that's what he had to face. And so how did he work his way through the desire to potentially just quit and leave an unfinished project in his past? Well, here's what he did, and these are our takeaways for today. Number one, keep doing the next right thing. At some point, Nehemiah made that choice. That here's the opposition, and the project is on the other side, and I want to get there, I want to complete that, I want to accomplish that, but yet all of this stuff is stacked up in between. I've got to keep doing the next right thing. I want to read verse 4 again. It says, Then I prayed, Hear us, our God. Verse 6, At last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. What? I mean, that seems kind of crazy to me. That with this kind of opposition, the wall still gets completed to half its height because the people had a heart to work towards completing this project. And they did that with a lot of enthusiasm, even with all of the physical threats. Nehemiah kept doing the next right thing. So my question is, what's the next right thing for us? So we're not actually building quite yet. And so what does this mean? How do we actually use this? Well, I think a couple of thoughts. I think the next right thing for us is more prayer about our project. One of the things I love about walking through Nehemiah is that you continually find him praying over and over and over again. And every time he was faced with something, he just got on his knees and he gave that thing to God and he did it again and again and again. And one of our goals in our whole process here of moving from here to there is that we would just cover this thing in a lot of prayer. And so I think the next right thing for us is more prayer about our project and more prayer that God would use that piece of property on Bethel Road to have huge impact. Today we actually had scheduled a prayer event. We were going to do a bonfire and we were just going to pray together and have a wonderful time and our weather is not cooperating with us. So I want to let you know we're going to postpone that till next Sunday. And we're going to do it at the same time, 5 o'clock, and, uh, 5 o'clock to 6. I want you to save the date for that and bring your family as we just gather and pray on our piece of property for God to use that place 
to have huge impact. And this is going to help us do the next right thing, which is more prayer for what is coming. And pray that there's no more snow and rain next Sunday, because we need to pull this thing off, all right? So just save that date. I really want you to be there. We're going to have a wonderful time, and in one hour, we're just going to give ourselves to more prayer, which is the next right thing for us. So more prayer on and for that piece of property. Then I think the next right thing for us to do is more prayer about our role in helping Valley Point Church achieve a real home. Today in your gift bag, you're going to receive an envelope and a commitment card that just kind of outlines some different information about our coming commitment day, which is just in two weeks. And God willing, on that day, We're going to meet or even exceed our financial goals. And so I want you now to begin thinking and praying about your role in this process. And what does God want for each and every one of us as we think about sharing and sacrificing so that together, as a faith community, we can move forward and do something special and stand on the shoulders of those who came before us and build a permanent real home. And so more prayer individually about our role in this process. What does God want for you? What does God want for me? What does God want for us together as we move forward? And you're going to get this envelope. You're going to get that commitment card. And I want you to begin praying and thinking about what God wants for you. That's the next right thing. More prayer on and for that piece of property that God will really bless that and use that. And then more prayer personally about your role to play in helping Valley Point have a real home. So that's the next right thing. And that's what Nehemiah did. And boy, it really helped him push through all of the opposition. And when fear and confusion and mockery and doubt began to invade, just more prayer. More prayer. More prayer. And it helped Nehemiah and the people that were following him just move forward with a lot of confidence to the point where they were able to complete the wall to half its height with a lot of enthusiasm. I don't know how enthusiastic we would be if we thought people wanted to kill us about a particular project, but it didn't seem to bother them. And the reason it didn't bother them is because prayer. More prayer. More prayer. And so we want to throw that at what's coming on our piece of property, for that property, and for our own role to play. And then here's the second takeaway. It's just determine not to quit. Determine not to quit. As you think about what God might be doing in your heart along this journey, determine not to quit. Determine not to quit, because we can do this. We can do it. I want to read the rest of the chapter because it's incredible. Here's verse 19. It says, Then I explained to the nobles and officials and all the people, the work is very spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet rush to wherever it is sounding, then our God will fight for us. Kind of a cool thing there. They determined a rallying point. Like when you hear the trumpet blast, get there and... God will do our fighting. Verse 21, we worked early and late from sunrise to sunset, and half the men were always on guard. I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. That way, they and their servants could help with guard duty at night and work during the day. 
During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me, ever took off our clothes. Imagine that smell. Right? Here's the good news. We don't have to do that, at least, okay? Although I have been wondering about some of you with your gray t-shirts. It might be time, but we don't have to do that. But let's do this, okay? Let's just think about what happened here in verses 19 through the end of the chapter about how Nehemiah put together a plan where they would not quit. Let's determine a rallying point and let's work together from sunrise to sunset and let's do what it takes to complete this project. Let's not quit because God's going to help us do this. And let's have an intense focus on God who will give us a no-quit kind of attitude. Let's get there. All right, let's remember what Nehemiah said. And let's remember Tanya's quote. You can do this. Don't quit. Because you know what I firmly believe deep down inside of me as we think about this big project in front of us that is somewhat intimidating and daunting. We can do this. We can do this, church, because this is the step of faith that God wants for us. And so let's focus our attention on what God wants to do in and through us, and let's walk with him, and with God, we'll be able to accomplish something big together. And that will give us a no-quit kind of attitude. Father, we're thankful for what we discover here in Nehemiah chapter 4. Well, what's some great reminders here, God, of how Nehemiah really pushed through some difficult things, and there was a lot of opposition there, and the opposition was more than just complaints, it was more than just people whining, it was individuals who actually wanted to take them out. They were people who wanted to kill them, and they had their own plans in order to do that, and yet Nehemiah didn't quit. He didn't stop. Even though there was confusion and doubt and mockery and fear, God, he prayed, and then he continued to move forward. And so, God, we know we have a spiritual enemy that does not want to see Valley Point go forward. It's an enemy that wants us to accomplish nothing. But, God, we know that's not what you want for us. That's not what you've called us to do. You've asked us to move forward and we get a new tool in our hands and a bit of time here called a facility and a a structure and we know that's what you want for us. So God, I pray that you'd help us to push through the fear and the mockery and the confusion and the doubt that the enemy will throw at us to keep us from doing anything at all and that we would throw more prayer at everything that's coming in front of us, and even more prayer about our own role in this process. And we would just determine, God, not to quit. Give us that kind of attitude and that kind of desire. And God, I know that you use that in Nehemiah and the people there, and they continue to move through their project to do some pretty amazing things. And we're going to discover that in a few weeks. I think we're going to be really impressed with how you work in and through them to accomplish something that was nearly impossible. God, you made it happen, and so we ask for the same right here. Give us that no-quit kind of attitude that happens when we work with you. God, we pray this now. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.